passage says God will make the way out. In the midst of your temptation, God will literally manufacture or create a custom-designed exit door just for you. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Some of the giants we encounter, we should stand and fight, while there are others, we should look for the nearest exit door. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series I'm calling Disarming Your Giants, with a look at how to disarm the giant of temptation. You know, when we hear the word giant, we immediately think of young David facing off with Goliath, holding only a slingshot and five smooth stones. His victory over the nine-foot-tall Philistine is the stuff of legends. But some of the giants we face are not to be fought this way. In fact, the Bible instructs us to flee the scene of temptation. This may at first sound cowardly, but the hard truth is if you stand there too long, you're going to lose the battle. So let's go right to part two of today's message, Disarming the Giant of Temptation. Jesus is your Savior, but something has gotten a hold of your life, and now you're going where you don't want to go, doing what you don't want to do, saying what you don't want to say. You're saying to yourself, what am I doing? Satan is good at getting you to believe that something bad is good, and then you dive in. He's promised you a payday, but that payday never comes, because here's what happens. That bass, I've caught several of them where for a little bit they thought They did have the real thing. They took off. There was enough slack in the line for them to take off. But then, before they got too far at all, they realized, I've lost my freedom. And payday comes. And it always comes to you and me when we bite Satan's bait. His promise always turns out to be illusory, a lie, a mirage. A cartoon in the New Yorker magazine showed some pigs feeding at a trough. As the farmer filled the trough with food, one hog suddenly stopped eating and asked a sobering question of the other hog. Have you ever wondered why he's so good to us? The answer is self-explanatory. He was getting them ready to become bacon. Now listen, devil works the same way. When Satan tempts people, he's like the farmer fattening up the pigs for the slaughter. He leads you along, beckoning you, putting a little bread trail in front of you, and you walk around the periphery of that sin, and you say, well, gosh, nothing has happened to me yet. I mean, I feel okay. Maybe all that church stuff was a bunch of hooey. Maybe that Bible wasn't really accurate after all. Maybe I should be my own man, my own woman, and just go do what I want to do. And then, instead of walking around the periphery of the fire, you jump. And every tidbit of pleasure and promise the devil gave you fades into oblivion as the consequences begin to roll in. And you realize, I've been played a fool by the devil. 
I've been the devil's fool. There is nothing more angering than waking up and realize you've been the devil's fool. When you knew Jesus, knew the word of God, but you became the devil's fool. He got you. Now, he hadn't gotten your soul, but he got you to fall. I'd be a liar if I told you that there's not pleasure in sin. There is. If there was no pleasure in sin, nobody would sin. But the pleasure found in sin lasts only for a season. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season, for a little while, like the prodigal. Hey, party, hearty, I'm out here with all these girls and all these friends, and I'm having this high time in the far country, or really low time in the far country. And then he woke up one day, and all the fair-weather friends were gone because his money was gone. All the girls were gone, and he was working for a hard taskmaster and eating pig slop. The consequences came in. And he woke up and said to himself, what am I doing? As surely as the sun rises, the bitter consequences always roll in when you sin. Now, I got good news for you today. The good news is that Satan can tempt you, but he cannot force you. He can entice you, but he can't coerce you. He can lure you, but he can't make you bite the bait. He can only get you tempted. He can lure, but he can't make you step out and take the bait. That's your decision and mine. So the first step to disarming the giant of temptation is to avoid the scene. Don't go where you know you're going to come under temptation. Here's the second one. Are you ready? Second key, know thyself. Know thyself. Be honest with yourself about yourself. Be honest with yourself about your own weaknesses and don't rationalize away or justify sinful actions. Be honest with yourself about yourself. Don't deny to yourself that you have a weakness. Can I tell you something about you and me here today? We're saved sinners. We still walk around in a tent of flesh. We're always going to be tempted. And you know what the devil knows? He knows how he had you in the past before you were saved. He knew what it was that you were involved in. And he will try to bring that up again and again and again and lure you into the same thing. So you got to be honest with yourself. What can't I get around? Don't be like the little boy who got caught eating cookies out of the cookie jar that his mother had up in the cupboard after having been told by his mother that he could not have any. His response to his mom when she caught him in the cookie jar, he said, I really wasn't going to eat any, Mom. I just climbed up to smell the cookies. You didn't say I couldn't smell them. And gee, Mom, while smelling them, somehow my teeth got caught on several of them and the cookies just wouldn't fall off. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Well, Lord, I'm just looking. I'm not doing. I mean, we don't understand this little boy. To win over temptation, watch this, saints. You've got to be honest with yourself. The Bible says, let no man deceive himself. 1 Corinthians 16, 18. If you deceive yourself about yourself, then you're going to be pulled down over and over again. You need to have a reckoning. Look in the mirror and say, there are certain things I cannot do. Certain things I cannot get around. I know myself. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. 
And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Matthew 5, 29 through 30. Now we know that Jesus wasn't literally saying blind yourself or maim yourself to stop sin. Because here's the truth. If you blinded yourself, it wouldn't stop it. And if you cut off your hand, it wouldn't stop it. Jesus is using exaggeration to teach us a lesson, to tell us a truth. And he was saying to us, know yourself well enough to know what you can't handle. If you've got a lust problem, the eye, and most people do, remove and insulate yourself from things that incite lust. Duh. Remember that cookie jar? If you've got a weakness with stealing, don't get around a bunch of money of other people. Don't go walking down Walmart, up and down the aisles over and over again aimlessly. Or if you're higher class, Neiman Marcus, or as they call it, needless markup. <laughs> well, if you've ever been in there, whoo. Now, do you remember Superman? The highlight of my day when I was a little kid, seven years old, eight years old, I would run out of school, run straight home to watch my golden hour, Superman, Batman, in black and white. George Reeves. And I used to love it when Superman would burst into a place and the bullets would hit him and not phase him. Oh, I love that. And especially when he would reach out and grab the gun from the crook and squeeze it and bend it and throw it at his feet. All right. I loved watching him fly. Shh. I put a towel on my back one day and jumped off a one-story roof. Halfway down, I realized I am not Superboy. I never did it again. But that's how much it got to me. <laughs> I tell you folks so many things to get over a fact, a truth. Now, you remember, there was one thing Superman could not get near. It was called? See, all of you know it. And I would watch my hero, my Superman. He would fly into a room and some dastardly, no good criminal had somehow gotten kryptonite in there and my heart would break. He'd go in the room and he would start getting weak and he'd fall to his knees. Then he'd fall to his face and he went limp and he couldn't help himself. And somebody had to come rescue him. And my heart used to break Superman. Now, as soon as the kryptonite was gone, he got back up and saved the world. Now watch, everyone in here has a kryptonite. You're okay until that gets into your presence. And then you go down and you get weak and you do things and say things and you say, what is wrong with me? And so Superman made it his life goal to always avoid kryptonite. He had that much sense. That's what you've got to do. We also weaken when we get near that one thing we cannot resist. Be honest enough with yourself to say, I can't go there. I can't look at that. I can't touch that. I can't think about that. That's my kryptonite. Admit it and quit it. Get away from it. Martin Luther, the reformer from whom the Lutheran church came, he said, don't sit near a fire if your head is made of butter. <laughs> How good is that? 
Likewise, the longer you linger in the presence of what tempts you, the more likely you are to melt. So don't linger long. Think about it. Adam and Eve would never have picked that forbidden fruit if they'd stayed a hundred yards away. We wouldn't be here today like this if they had just stayed a hundred yards away. But the devil lured her. She got right up to the tree. He said, God's really not for you. He's against you. He doesn't want you to have wisdom like him. He doesn't want you to know like him. He's really cheating you, Eve. He's taking from you. He is holding back from you. Take the fruit and you will be like God. And because she was right there, she took it. But if she had stayed 100 yards away, the fall would never have happened. So first, got to avoid the same temptation. Second, got to know thyself. Third, take the escape that God provides. This is where it really gets good. Here's what the passage says. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also make a way of escape so that you can endure it. God is faithful. That means he's a covenant keeper. He's a promise keeper. He will never let you down. He said, I will never fail you, never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I won't walk out. I won't leave you high and dry. I will not betray you. That's your God. Amen. He sees your situation. He knows what you're going through. And he empathizes with your plight. You see, when we get tempted, we tend to think, well, God's mad at me because I'm being tempted to do this. So I'm sinning. No, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to yield. But when you're being tempted, let me give you a fresh new picture. God is not looking down at you with a furrowed brow with steam coming out of his ears when you're being tempted. But God is looking at you with empathy and sympathy and compassion and reaching out because the Bible says we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just like we are, yet he did not sin. So, Whatever you're being tempted to, hard to wrap your mind around, but whatever your temptation is, Jesus felt the same temptation. Whatever it is. He was tempted to sexual sin. He was tempted to intoxication. He was tempted to doubt. He was tempted to fear. He was tempted to hate. He was tempted to walk in unforgiveness. He was tempted in everything we are, yet he never succumbed. That's why when the devil moved that crowd and those Roman soldiers and Jewish religious leaders to crucify him, they crucified an innocent man. When Jesus hung on that cross and his blood poured down that tree, it was righteous blood. He had never sinned. And that's where the devil lost everything when that blood poured down the cross. The devil was the biggest loser. You remember that show? Is it still around, The Biggest Loser? I'll tell you the biggest loser, the devil. The biggest loser is the devil because he lost the keys to his own house, the key to death, the key to hell, the key to the grave. He doesn't even have the keys to his own house anymore. He's lost them. Now, Jesus has the key to death, hell, and the grave on his own belt And he delivers from death, delivers from hell, and delivers from the grave. Amen. 
since he sees and knows and empathizes with your plight, he can be counted on every time to help you. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. His hand is on the temperature dial. There is a level past which your trial can't go because God has set a boundary to it. No matter how hard the dogs of temptation try to get at you, every dog of temptation is on a leash and Jesus holds the leash. He won't allow you to be tempted more than you're able to stand. Now, I've had people say to me, well, Pastor Jeff, that verse isn't true. Because I guarantee you, I was more tempted than I could stand, and that's why I fell. Stop a minute. Let God be true and every man a liar and every experience a liar. Here's what happened. The Bible says, submit to God, then resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. Here's what it's saying. If you haven't submitted to God and you're trying to resist the devil, you're like the seven sons of Sceva that were driven out of the house naked and running for their life from the demon-possessed man from whom they had no protection because they didn't know Jesus. See, if we're going to win over temptation, we've got to be submitted first to God in the temptation. Then we can resist the devil and he has no argument. But if you're not submitted to God and you're just living your own life and going and doing what you want to do, the devil isn't going to do anything you say. He has power over you. So you can indeed put yourself in a position where you are experiencing a temptation that is too much for you. But God, if you're submitted to God, God promises, I got my hand on the temperature dial. And if you're submitted to me, I've got it set at room temperature, and it's never going to go into the 80s. I'm never going to let it happen. My hand is on the dial. You're under my care. I'm going to bring you through this. You're not going down. You're going through. You're going to come out on the other side unscathed because I am not going to let it get hotter than you can stand. That's the promise of God. Second Peter 2, 9, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. Now, here's a great promise for struggling saints. And I'm going to close with this. Please catch this. When you're tempted, he will make a way of escape so you can endure it. There is going to be a way of escape. Now, I saw something this week. The Greek language reads this way. Not he will make a way of escape, but it says he will make the way, the way of escape. That means that there is a way out of that temptation and that trial that God gives you. And he says, don't try to find your own way out. Let me make a way for you out. There's a right way out of your trial and there's a wrong way out of your trial. I read this week about a Christian man who got into terrible debt. True story. He decided he would go to a gambling casino and believe God to help him win. Now, you know why those gambling casinos never go away? Because they win more than they lose. So, you know what happened to this Christian man? had been in church all of his life, had a Christian family. He lost everything because he chose his way out. See, there's your way out and there's God's way out. Abraham and Sarah, you remember, decided to have a child by another woman as the way out of their childless trial. And it was not God's the way out. His way out was faith and waiting on him. The passage says God will make the way out. The word make means 
manufacture or construct. Wow, what a mind blower. Catch this. In the midst of your temptation, God will literally manufacture or create a custom-designed exit door just for you. Wow. What a promise. God looks down, he sees what you're going through. He sees that you're submitted to him. You're saying, Lord, I give you this trial, I give you this temptation. I've done all I know to do. Lord, help me. And God says, you got it. And God, you see this door here, over here, and over here? See that word above it? Exit. God makes those. And on the door, it says, run through here now. For some, the way out might be a sudden surge of supernatural strength to flee a compromising situation. Like Joseph experienced with Potiphar's wife. You're sitting there in the middle of being assailed by a temptation. Suddenly, inside of you, this surge of supernatural strength rises within you. You know what that is? The exit door. Seize it and run. For others, the way out might be a word from the Lord to your heart that brings clarity and discernment, where suddenly you wake up as if you've been in a fog and you say, what am I doing? And that clarity is from God. It's the exit door. The prodigal son came to himself and fled the far country. For others, finally, the way of escape might manifest as a providentially open door through which you flee to safety. It could be a new job, a new set of friends. You're sitting there and you're surrounded by temptation. Suddenly a door opens and God says, here's new friends. Here's a new job. Here's a new setting. Here's a new context. Run through it and you run fast. Now, either way, the giant of temptation is disarmed. When we learn to, now say this with me, avoid the scene of temptation. Know thyself. Respond to God's faithfulness. And take his door. Well, I hope this has helped you in your own battle against temptation. Remember, there is no temptation facing you, but that God has provided an exit door for you to flee through. And let me take this moment to encourage you to take advantage of the many resources offered on our Life Talk website. You will find a large archive of past messages free to download, as well as other helpful materials. Just go to lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. U.S. We'd love to have you visit. And be sure to join me again next time as we continue the life-changing series entitled Disarming Your Giants with a message on disarming the giant of doubt. Until then, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, the host of Life Talk Radio, and I've got some exciting news for you. It's been in my heart for quite some time to see our Turning Point worship team produce their own Christ-exalting music. And you know what? It's finally happened. The King of all creation. 
TPC Worship's debut album, Mercy Triumphs, is available right now on iTunes and Amazon, or you can visit tpcfamily.org forward slash worship to get your copy today. That's tpcfamily.org forward slash worship and get your copy, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Disarming the Giant of Temptation is the sixth message of Pastor Jeff's new series, Disarming Your Giants. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to livetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Disarming Your Giants, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wigwire. To find out more about Dr. Wigwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.